The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. At my signal, unleash hell. You are listening to News Talk Saga 960. Mark Petroni with you on this uh, end of the week version of the Mark Petroni radio program. All sorts of freedom news talk, awesomeness, two solid hours worth. If you'd like to give us a call, please do so. Happy to hear from you, uh, whoever you happen to be. Maybe you have some thoughts about the upcoming election next week now, just days away. Our number is 461, sorry, 416, I'll get it right, 416-640-0200. So little Wayne coming out for Trump, are you kidding me? How big is that? Somebody better talk Chelsea Handler off the ledge. First 50 Cent, who was forced to recant, and now Lil Wayne. Another sign the uh, the Democrats are getting desperate. Not just Lil Wayne, man, but Biden now using footage of Adolf Hitler in a new campaign ad attacking President Trump. But Lil Wayne, man, for Trump, that, that is a bit... Forget Hunter Biden smoking crack with underage girls. Forget Sleepy Joe in bed with the Chinese. And by the way, the FBI are now investigating the Bidens following that uh, New York Post expose. But... Look, uh, blackface is bending over for Xi Jinping, so why not Sleepy Joe? Yes, Xi Jinping uh, definitely has a little potato in his pocket, but Lil Wayne for Trump, that's huge. All these, yeah, sure, why not money? Let's uh, let's hear a little bit of Lil Wayne. Let's give the men a little bit of uh, time on the show on the Mark Petroni radio program because this guy has what mil- how many millions Twitter of Twitter followers does this guy have millions beyond how big is he amongst young people I'm, I'm an old white guy you're not let's just say he defined a new genre of hip-hop like he created that 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 fast-paced rap that underground so how big is Lil Wayne coming out for Trump pretty big let's put it this way uh, Lil Wayne put Drake on he put Drake. He made. He, he made, made. He made Drake. He made basically. Drake. Yeah. Anyway, that's the real October surprise. Their money, because uh, I think that's the dagger through the heart of these racist white liberals. Why is it all these these women, these white women, coming out trying to put the black man in his place, like Chelsea Handler, people hey, like that? I mean, that's he's great. Got, he's got thirty four point eight million followers on Twitter. So a guy like that coming out for Trump. That's that's huge. Yeah, and Biden brought out uh, Young Jeezy. Okay, from Atlanta. Yeah, but you see, a lot of these uh, people are expected to be in the Democrat Party group. You know, uh, supporters of the Democrat Party. For every time you have a guy who's black, who's a cultural phenomenon, like mm-hmm. Kanye, who's coming out, who came out in support of Trump for a while before he decided to make his own run. Yeah, and now Lil Wayne. I mean, that to me is going to make a lot of people in the white liberal group ticked off because they're seeing more and more 
panic now in the ranks. Another poll coming out saying somewhere in the neighborhood of 31% of black people now looking at voting Trump. I mean, if that, remember, Trump won in 2016 with about eight and a half, nine percent of the black vote. Hillary had 91% and didn't get it done. And part of it, I think, a lot of people are waking up every time Biden opens his mouth and says something stupid, like he did uh, when he said this. Can we hear Biden? I will. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. Oh, wow. Excuse me? Well, Lil Wayne is black and uh, he's just about to pull the lever for, <laughs> for Trump. Black people don't want to be told. Black people do not want to be told they are not black if they don't support the Democrat Party. You put your foot in a jail. You made yourself out to be what you really are, which is a racist. Let's listen a little bit to some of the reactions. So if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. Oh, Joe Biden thinks I'm not black. Joe Biden does not think I'm black. Joe Biden said, if I don't vote for him, I'm not black. Joe Biden does not think I am black. Joe Biden doesn't think I'm black. So I've got a message for Joe Biden who doesn't think that I'm black if I don't vote for him. Joe Biden doesn't think I'm black because I'm not a Democrat. But let me tell you this, Joe Biden, you cannot shame me. What that's no Democrat part. That's what I'm, I'm talking black, about. Okay, I don't support Joe Biden. I support Donald J. Trump. Thank you very much. I am black, and I am not voting for Joe Biden. I am not voting for Democrats. That means you, Joe. I am Joe. voting Trump all Back to the, the basement, way. Joe. Back to the I'm basement. Black, and I'm not voting Joe Biden. I'm voting Trump 2020. Oh, I support boy. President Donald You're Trump. You're not going to like this. That is who I support. I'm black, but I don't support Joe Biden. I support President Donald J. Trump. And I could go on and on and on, my friends. But there is uh, something going on here. Something uh, that we haven't seen in years happening amongst not only black people, but Hispanic voters uh, flocking over to to Trump. And it's starting to uh, manifest itself in a level of panic amongst the the Democrat Party ranks. So that's why they're coming out with these ads comparing uh, Donald Trump to to Adolf Hitler. And now Lil Wayne tweeting this just had a great meeting with Donald Trump. Besides what he's been, what he's done so far with criminal reform, the platinum plan is going to give the community real ownership. He listened to what we had to say today and assured uh, he will and uh, can get it done. This is the problem, right? Because when Obama got in there, a lot of black people thought, great, you know, we've got one of our own in there and he's going to take care of business. He's going to take care of us. And it didn't happen. Watching Fox last night, even though it's the most conservative of the cable stations, you still get the sense uh, that there's a real pessimism around uh, Trump's chances of winning on Tuesday, despite the indicators. It's the Biden team, however, that's getting nervous and Trump getting more and more confident. Here's one from the Minneapolis St. Paul Star Tribune. Former Vice President Joe Biden will be returning to Minnesota today to hold a rally. This is a state that's gone Democrat since 1972. Uh, We've we've been told the Democrats were busy playing offense, trying to flip Texas. And here's Joe, you know, a few days before the election, playing defense in in a blue state, trying to hold the line here in Minnesota. 
from the Star Tribune, the Biden rally is set to take place in St. Paul, the state's capital, which shares a metropolitan area with the much larger city of uh, Minneapolis. President Donald Trump will also be holding a rally in Minnesota in the city of Rochester, the third largest city in the state. The late visit to Minnesota, a Democratic stronghold which has not voted for a Republican in a presidential election since 1972 when Nixon was president, could be a signal of nervousness from the Biden camp. You think? Hillary only won it by 45,000 votes in 2016. And so it could very well go for Trump this time. If Minnesota goes, it's over, man. It's just because it's an indicator of all those other states. Michigan now, um, uh, Trump is leading in Michigan. He, it's it's a toss-up in Wisconsin. It's it's really tight in in Pennsylvania. Although we're told that uh, the Trump is ahead by a couple there, he's certainly ahead in Ohio and he's ahead in Florida. And I tell you, if those states. Go for Trump. It's going to be a long night for Sleepy Joe. But uh, all that far left race baiting, I guess it hasn't worked. The violence whipped up by the leftist media, by the uh, the Democrat Party, these Marxist organizations like Black Lives Matter, all designed to bully people into uh, into submission. Well, it's blowing up in their face. And of all the pollsters, the Trafalgar Group has been among the most accurate because. They're not trying to influence the vote. They're not trying to tell you how to vote. They're not trying to tell Americans that they should be going in a certain way. Let me put it this way. They are trying to, they are trying to influence the vote. The others are. Trafalgar is not. That's, that's what I'm trying to say to you. And so the fact that Trafalgar has not been trying to influence the vote and is just trying to show people how it's really going on, what, what what the picture is, a snapshot, then you know a lot of people think that it's the most accurate of the bunch. And as a result of that, I think people are attacking the Trafalgar group. And um, frankly, uh, the Trafalgar group is now suggesting that Trump uh, could very well win Wisconsin, could very well win Michigan again. They were the ones who predicted it in 2016. People laughed at them then. They're not laughing now. Now they're just ticked off. <laughs> they're, they're ticked off at the fact that one pollster, well, maybe Rasmussen as well, have kind of gone off the reservation a little bit and are saying that, in fact, Trump could very well be ahead. And when you start seeing cultural phenomenons like, like Lil Wayne coming out and suggesting that uh, they're going to support Donald Trump, well, you know what? It's got uh, Democrats worried. Uh, this poll here conducted, let's see, the battleground states of 49.1% for Trump. All right, 46.6% for Joe Biden. Meantime, Jorgensen, or Jorgensen, uh, he's the libertarian candidate, and he's down there with 2.1%. And some people are thinking, hey, you know, don't vote third party, man. <laughs> That's not what the country reads, need, needs right now. They need people to, to get behind Trump. And so if, uh, if they decide to throw in with this third-party candidate, Jorgensen, well, you know, it could spell doom for everybody. It could complicate matters and make it harder. And there's no uh, Jill, what's her name, the, uh, the Green candidate running this time. Her name slips my mind. But uh, she, was, you know, she carved in a little bit into, uh, into Hillary Clinton's vote last time around. Anyway, so lots going on. We're going to talk a little bit about, about the race going forward um, 
the ongoing crippling of Canada's finances starting to make even the ner- the Senate nervous. Now, this story from Blacklock's reporter, senators, including a liberal appointee yesterday, questioned the lack of public information on the federal finances. And Tom Korski of Blacklock's will be joining us mere moments from now. Ever since uh, Trudeau suspended Parliament on August the 18th, the government has basically stopped giving key information about how much they are borrowing. Here's the quote from a liberal senator, no less. I know they were booted out of the party, but it's it's not being transparent, says Senator Elizabeth Marshall, a former provincial auditor general. We cannot get up-to-the-date financial information. Why is the government refusing to provide current financial information? Uh, because they're corrupt. How's that for an idea? I, they're, they're trying to they're trying to rip us off, and uh, I, I, it's a calculated strategy. All part of the overall plan. It, it, it's worked in other countries that are now dictatorships. And I suspect that Generalissimo Blackface is trying to do the same thing here, slowly but surely. The far-left Trudeau government are deliberately undermining the finances of this country. They are bankrupting us. It's the same wet weapon that was used to turn Venezuela into the dictatorship it is today. Same strategy. Promise socialism. Say everything is going to be just fantastic. Just vote for us. Buy off the media. Yeah, check. He's done that. Bring in censorship. He's working on that. Those who won't submit are going to be what? Sent to internment camps? We're building those in this country, are we not? Whipping up uh, racial tensions and division, demoralizing the population by calling us all racists, buying off the cops. Thank you, RCMP so that they won't touch these guys, disarming the the population, stripping guns away from legal firearms owners. And by the way, Rod Giltaka is going to be on the show at the top of hour two. Of course, they don't want angry people out there who are armed, do they? Anyway, lots coming up today, so we're going to take a quick time out. Tom Korski waiting patiently on the other side of this uh, break, and I know he's always a terrific guest. What are we going to play? A little bit more uh, Lil Wayne to go out or just regular bumper music? The regular stuff? The regular stuff is pretty good. All right, my friend. Roll out bumper music. Back with more after this. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca. You were listening to the Mark Petroni radio program. If you'd like to call, here's the number 416 640 0200. That's 416 640 0200. The Mark Petroni radio program, heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. Well, it just got a little easier for public employees to rip us off. A law against thieving by public employees was quietly repealed by Parliament, though prosecutors used it dozens of times over a 10-year period. That, according to Access to Information Records, the Department of Justice said the law was slated for repeal because it was, quote, obsolete. I don't know. I think it was doing a pretty good job. That story in Blacklock's Reporter and Tom Korski, who's the managing editor of Blacklocks, joins us this morning. Tom. 
it, it's funny. <laughs> it's, it's, if you put it that way, it's pretty funny, Mark. Very strange. Very strange. Uh, two years ago, uh, Parliament passed this sort of omnibus uh, criminal code uh, cleanup bill that uh, MPs were told was simply to get rid of these pesky, annoying, pointless, ancient 19th century laws against falsely practicing witchcraft, dueling in public, uh, uh, libel, uh, blasphemous libel, these various obscure provisions. But there was one part that no one asked any questions about. It's called Section 337. What did that law say? It said exactly what you mentioned. It was a crime punishable by up to 14 years in prison for any public employee, federal, provincial, or municipal, to refuse to surrender anything, any item, any paper, any file, any money, anything, on demand by a supervisor. Very specific law. We filed access to information requests on that, Mark, for two years. They dogged the release of those records for two years. And it turns out, as you mentioned, that law was used by prosecutors 47 times in a 10-year period, and they had five convictions. Not an obsolete law, not an antique, arcane, ornamental statute. It had great meaning, and they repealed it, and no one will say why. Very strange. Maybe that came out of the public service. They didn't like it. You know, somebody uh, somebody in the midst of the bureaucracy said, we got to get rid of this law. It's making us look bad. <laughs> the Department of Justice has done that, uh, Mark. It did not come out of caucus. It did not come out of any MP or uh, Senate office. They didn't even know about it. They didn't even ask questions about it. It literally passed with zero questions asked about this law. Yeah, no, there was some monkey business there, no doubt. In the meantime, we have the Senate raising some issues around the lack of accountability. Uh, as you mentioned in your story, Tom, uh, the Liberals uh, have not been exactly forthcoming in terms of telling Canadians how much they're borrowing. Um, and that, that really has happened since they prorogued Parliament. And I guess even some of the, I guess you want to call them former Liberal senators, are coming out and saying, what is going on here? This is arresting. Uh, every taxpayer, every ratepayer should be very uneasy with this. As yesterday in the Senate, there were two senators, a conservative appointee and a liberal appointee. The conservative appointee is, was a former auditor general in Newfoundland. The liberal appointee is a former vice chair of the Royal Bank in Montreal. These are people of substance. These are serious people. They did not just get off the bus from Red Deer. These are people who know what the score is. Both of them spontaneously rise in the Senate and you say, can we get some basic information on the nation's finances? Are you kidding me? Can we find out how much money we've borrowed? Can we determine how much has been spent? MPs had an old order that the Department of Finance had to publish bi-weekly reports. They stopped when the Prime Minister suspended Parliament. They've never come back. Three months have passed. Nobody knows except somebody buried in a cubicle in the Department of Finance, how much the country has borrowed. Oh, by the way, the last biweekly report way back in August, it showed over half a trillion in borrowing in 120 days. Half a trillion, my friend. Unbelievable. Staggering amounts of money. 
Tom Korski joining us on Saga 960. The Fed's okay, a sweetheart contract. Okay, this is hypocrisy. This is pretty rich. Great story here, Tom. A media startup that complained of the corrosive influence of federal money. I guess you're you're making some enemies in the amongst the press folks there yeah, up on the hill. The you know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm just going to read you the first paragraph here. Anyway, they were complaining. They complained about the use of federal money in media and Canadian newsrooms, but these same people now have won a sole-sourced uh, Department of Public Works contract worth more than a quarter of a million dollars. David Schock, former Toronto Star editor who's launched a business website called The Logic Inc. two years ago, declined an interview with Blacklock's reporter. It's rich and really there's many <laughs> levels of irony there, aren't there? It was, uh, th- th- this guy is, uh, is, uh, is really a character. He launched this website and uh, published many, many commentaries opposed to the infamous media bailout of, uh, th- that was approved by Parliament two years ago. That's the half billion dollar subsidy, which your listeners know well. Uh, he didn't. Dave didn't like that. He thought that was dirty money. Uh, that was just dirty, filthy money. <laughs> it was. He talked about you can't have journalistic independence with uh, without financial independence. I mean, it would have made Jesus weep because he gave beautiful speeches. And then we, we find out yesterday, in the middle of the pandemic, just this past May, public works records show that Dave's company got a sole source contract for $270,000 for research, government research services, quote-unquote. Yeah, he didn't, the reporter didn't want to talk to another reporter. There was no interview there. I I don't know what to say, Mark. I guess, you know, but I'm like, I'm that kind of person. You know, when I see other media bought off with money, I mean, it's just so filthy and dirty. I like, I feel dirty on that. <laughs> but if someone gives me a quarter million dollars, I just operate on a different yeah, that's level. Different. I'm just more profound than that. That's Dave's world. But if you're the government and you want to shut these people up and these guys have, I mean, think about it. If you want government money, the best way to do that is to complain that other media is getting government money. For instance, he came out of the Toronto Star. I think the Toronto Star gets 150 grand uh, a week, I think, last time I checked. I stand to be corrected on that number, but they, they're basically propped up by the federal government. But if you want government money, the, the way to get it is you complain about all these other media sources getting government money. All of a sudden, poof, you get a big fat check and it shuts you up, right? You, If you're government, you want to shut these people up, you give them cash. And uh, it's, it appears to have worked wonders in, the, in this case. Your, your figures are correct. The Star is 155000 weekly, a week uh, to the Toronto Star on uh, subsidies. And uh, Post Media gets about the same, Mark, I believe. Uh, zero subsidies. Uh, taxpayers should not have to pay for media they do not want to consume. Uh, 100% opposed to any uh, bailout, any grants of any kind. In our business, we neither accept nor solicit them. Why? Is it because we're suckers for punishment? No. It's because we've always said if people think we're biased or incompetent or just bad, they will know that those are failings that we come to honestly, and it's not because we're getting a check from the government. No government interference in the newsroom. You, Dave got it right the first time. You cannot have uh, media that is independent of government interference and dependent on government aid at the same time. It's impossible Dave got it right the first time. Exactly. 
And I could remember when they came up with the $600 million fund, they did it under the pretext of, well, you have to protect independent media. Well, I tell you, you know, how do you keep uh, media independent by making them dependent on government? You know, you make them dependent on government, they cease to become independent. <laughs> I mean, you can play these games all day long. Anyway. I have to tell you, Mark, uh, th- th- this has not been without notice by the Canadian public. You know, in my business, reporters, we're sort of down there on the integrity scale. We're kind of scraping the bottom now. We're down there with used meal dealers. Like, it's pretty rough. And it's fatal. The subsidies are fatal. You have to ask, if you read a, a, publish, a publication that is subsidized by the taxpayers of Canada, especially these untendered sole source contracts, you ask the questions you just asked. That's exactly what a reader asks. What am I reading here? Is this the whole works? Is this honest coverage? Or is this paid coverage? And then you decide, you know what? Uh, I, whatever uh, my household budget is, I don't have to spend a couple of hundred bucks a year on that. It's absolutely fatal to the industry, in my opinion. I mean, so thank God for Blacklock's reporter. You've proved that you can make a go of it. I mean, at the risk of, of, of stroking your ego here, I'm just stating a fact. When you have so much media basically in the tank for the government, receiving money from the government, propped up by the government, to have a source of, of information like Blacklock's reporter, which basically said, okay, here's what it costs to subscribe to our, our news service. You're, you're getting, this is it. This is how we make our money. This is how we get paid. We're not getting paid from the government. And so we're not subservient and we're not accountable to the government. We're accountable to the people who basically subscribe to our service. And that's really, I think, what separates Blacklock's reporter from so many of these other sources. Well, I, I appreciate the compliment. It's a very kind words, Mark. But I will say, you know, radio stations and uh, uh, RV dealers and chair factories operate on the same basis. I, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just the marketplace. The marketplace is never wrong. We say if we can't survive, then the marketplace has said they don't want us anymore. Why is that hurtful? Why would I want a grant to so, so I can sort of fake a living and, you know, show up at the club on, on weekends and feel like a big-time journalist? If the people don't want you, the people are never wrong. It's a very—we <laughs> are capitalists. I, I, I plead guilty. We are 100 percent capitalists. I mean, look at the CBC as a perfect example. They get over oh, $1.2 billion, dollars, and it's pathetic. They can't draw flies to their national flagship newscasts. Horrible. I mean, it's it's astonishing. But that's what it's come to in, in media today. So you got to get your, your media from wherever you can. Find your honest sources. And the fact that so many Canadians now are second-guessing the information they're getting is not a good thing for democracy. While I got you on the line, before we let you go, uh, any thoughts about the U.S. election now that we're you know, a few days away. I won a bet on Trump four years ago. I think his support is uh, more profound than a lot of people think. I think Biden is too old, and I say this, I am not 78, but we all know them. Everyone likes old men until you get to meet some of them. Uh, I think he's too old. I think there's a lot of issues. But, you know, the media has, uh, the American media has been in the tank. I don't, even my liberal friends acknowledge this with a smile. And 
uh, I think whether Trump wins or not, so I'm, I'm, I'm answering your question, I think he gets in. But whether he does or not, he casts a long shadow, Mark, on free trade, on relations with China, on a lot of citizens, cynicism about medians and, uh, and questioning of exactly what you just said. People are told by media. I think those things are all great, and those will last for a long, long time whenever he leaves office. All right. Tom Korsky, thank you so much for coming on the show. Have a great day, Mark. Tom Korsky, Managing Editor of Blacklocks Reporter. Check it out, blacklocks.ca, minding Ottawa's business. All right, quick time out. And Lamont Daigle will be joining us on the other side of this brief timeout. Lamont uh, is getting ready to do another rally. I tell you, the guy is uh, the Energizer Bunny, and uh, he'll be with us after this. Stream us live at saga960am.ca. This is a Greg Carrasco, and you may hear me on Canada's largest automotive podcast, The Greg Carrasco Show. And when I'm not there, I live at Oakville Nissan. And during the all-in sales event, this is what we're doing. We are making you winter ready. Purchase any new vehicle that I have in stock, and Oakville Nissan will include winter tires and winter mats. We are the home of the no-commission salespeople. There's something happening here at OakvilleNissan.com. Sometimes getting caught in rush hour is worth the wait. I've, I've just got an order from the boss here. Could you lay us down the aggressive that we hear on the commercial spots? It's not me asking, brother. It's not me, it's that, them. You know, that question is so aggressive. The Rush Hour with Skulls and Caria. Weekdays, 4 to 6 p.m. Here on Saga 960 AM. Listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program. If you'd like to call, here's the number 416 640 0200. That's 416 640 0200. The Mark Petroni Radio Program, heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. And we are back with more News Talk. So very glad you could join us on this Friday edition of the Mark Petroni Radio Program. You think they're getting a little nervous down? South of us, Walmart removing guns and ammo from store displays, citing possible looting and unrest. Well, it could happen. Walmart announcing, well, obviously they don't sell that stuff up here. Walmart announcing it will pull all guns and ammo from its store displays on sales floors and stores this week in a bid to prevent the theft of firearms if stores are looted or broken into. Yeah, smart plan there, Walmart. Maybe a little late. Have we got Lamont on the line yet? Okay, we're still waiting to get Lamont on the line. We want to hear all about his latest rally because he's got uh, he's got one planned for the weekend, and he says could be the biggest yet. His freedom rallies have been uh, very successful in terms of getting literally thousands of people on the street. A lot of the mainstream bought-off media has dismissed these guys, the Line Canada, as being anti-maskers. That's how they put you in a little box, they label the box, and then they forget about you. But in this case, they are attracting all sorts of people. 
And so they've got a rally this week. And I want to get right back to this um, Walmart situation south of the border. The Arkansas-based retail giant confirming its new policy to news outlets stipulating that customers can still buy firearms and ammo upon request. So what's the deal here? You have to call in and say, yeah, I want uh, an AR-15. I want some ammo. Uh, you know, with a curbside pickup, one of these, <laughs> is it one of these types of deals? Uh, this is the quote. We have some isolated civil unrest, and as we have done on several occasions over the past few years, we have moved our firearms and ammunition off the sales floor as a precaution for the safety of our associates and customers, Walmart said in a statement, that according to Bloomberg and other outlets. It's not clear if the company is referring to the possibility of civil unrest that may occur during the November 3rd election. Well, (laughs) excuse me, but that's probably the case. I don't think it's a coincidence. Walmart pulled guns and ammo from sales floors earlier this year in response to widespread demonstrations and vandalism. Well, we saw what happened in Philly just a couple of days ago. Of course, they were looting Walmart. They were looting, you know... Uh, the Foot Locker, all sorts of stores, you know, walking off with everything from TVs to washers to uh, all sorts of clothes. Anyway, I guess they don't want them walking off with guns. Uh, and anyway, guns and ammo do, uh, well, this is just continuing on with the story here, do remain available for purchase by customers. So uh, Walmart going out of their way to say, look, we're still selling the stuff, the retailer. Uh, and said it in its statement and released a statement yesterday adding that we only sell firearms in approximately half of our stores, primarily where there are large concentrations of hunters, sportsmen, and sportswomen. The firm stopped selling ammunition uh, that can be used in semi-autos and pistols after the mass shooting at a Walmart in El Paso, Texas, and that happened uh, last year. Uh, This week, a Walmart in Philadelphia was looted and ransacked during protests and riots that uh, were sparked by the officer involved in a shooting of a black man allegedly armed with a knife. What do you mean allegedly? (laughs) I mean, hello. Facebook announcing uh, that it would uh, bar new political ads from being run on its platform during the last week of the election. Well, okay, so all of a sudden the Biden campaign now complaining about Facebook? All these tech people are right in the tank for the Democrats, but this is the problem, right? It's never enough with the left, no matter how much you get from, uh, you know, how much they demand and get from all these other institutions, it's never enough, whether it's academia or big labor or the environmental department. You know, it's never enough for the left. They demand more, and that certainly applies with big tech now. So Biden taking a shot a little bit at Facebook, accusing Facebook of favoring Trump after a glitch, so-called glitch, taking down thousands of ads. Yeah, it's one thing to take down and shut down conservative voices, but it's another thing altogether to shut down ads by the Democrat Party, Facebook, 
Well, the part of the CEO, uh, Mark Zuckerberg's effort to signal to Democratic lawmakers that the uh, the company was taking its role as a guardian of democracy seriously. These guys are such hypocrites, and we saw evidence of that when they testified before a congressional committee this week. And thank God, Ted Cruz ripped, uh, you know, Dorsey a new one, showing everybody what these people are really, uh, really are all about, barring new ads. Has Facebook now done? During the final week of the campaign, seemed more like a Kafka-esque nuisance rather than a sensible tactic. All right, so I'm going to answer the phone here because it is Lamont Degla on the line. All right, so Lamont, you're on the air. Can we? <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thanks for calling in. Thank you so much, my friend. All right, the audio is not going to be great. Can we get Lamont to call in on the other on the other line? Lamont, please call in on the other line, okay, buddy? Call in on a regular line. Can I give you that number? Uh, give me one second here. I'll grab that. I'll see you. Isn't this fun doing live radio? All right. You know what? Uh, money's going to call you, Lamont. So just answer the phone, all right, buddy? Yeah, we're going to get that interview in eventually. Uh, look, we got to talk to Lamont. I, nobody else is giving Lamont the time of day in media. And so if we get an opportunity to hear from the guy who has been in, in, intrinsically involved in these rallies, and it has been relentless. And I dare say that Lamont Daglin and his team over at the Line Canada have probably done more to push back against governments of all stripes in terms of their tyrannical efforts to shut down the economy in this province and elsewhere than anybody else. Lamont, are you there? I am so here. All right, my friend. Talk about this weekend. What do you got lined up? Boy, well, first of all, you know, we're into our 29th week right now, and we have basically been watching what the government's doing, been, uh, been doing since the beginning. And every time they've warned us of something coming, whether it's a $10,000 fine, a $100,000 fine, I mean, as an organizer, it's always been horrific thinking of what the possibilities are, but they never do what they say. And we're always showing up for the people. So this latest round, the last time they told us and we heard that they were canceling the Christmas parade and they were canceling Halloween, we thought, you know, who are the ones that are hurting the most in society right now? And we're not even talking about the kids. So we thought to ourselves, we're going to make a big party for the kids. So tomorrow, Halloween party, Dundas Square, 12 to 4, we're doing a motorcade. And we're going to have all the trucks out there decorated for Halloween. We're going to have a great time. Wow. And how many people are you expecting? Oh, geez. Well, we've had systematically about two to 3,000 people. We've had as much as 10,000. Uh, so we're looking probably at least 4,000. At least 4,000. Wow. Yeah. And a lot of them are going to be children. So, uh, you know, who can quibble about that, but somehow I have a feeling that the media will still demonize you as, what, anti-maskers? That's basically how they've uh, labeled you and your organization, the Line Canada? Well, it's true. Uh, if there's going to be one day that we're going to welcome them to demonize us, it will be Halloween. At least they can come in costume. They'll see a couple running around, I'm sure. They'll, they'll spin that somehow. But this is a way for us to wear our masks and actually enjoy wearing our masks. So everything works that day. So you will have masks, so in a way you'll be, <laughs> but I, they're, they're not going to be exactly N95. You'll be dressed up, what, in a scream mask or a hockey mask or what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever you got handy. Well, and the beauty part is 
this is the perfect day to come and test drive uh, your first protest because you can be completely anonymous and no one will know who you are. So we're really looking forward to a lot of people that have never been there. And we're looking forward to some, uh, some investigators and spies in the crowd because now they can completely cover themselves and have a great time. So we're welcoming them too. You know, we welcome all people. So you're expecting some people who oppose you in the ranks to do what exactly? Try to uh, cause unrest or try to undermine your protest? I mean, the, the more success that you have, obviously, is going to breed opposition amongst these far leftists, these Stalinists, these Marxist type of people who are going to try to undermine what you're doing, correct? It never fails. They always try more in words than action. So they want the public to think they're arresting us. They want the general public to understand that we're getting fines. They want us to believe that we're having problems, like we're getting attacked by riot people and the cops are treating us badly. It's exactly the opposite every time. So what we're welcoming the people here to see is, come and see us. We've, we've had maybe a couple of people get hurt on the road, you know, like a slap or, you know, a paper bag hitting them in the face or something. And nothing bad has happened in almost 29 weeks. So they can try, but ultimately people are having a great time out there. And, you know, even the Amish are out, you know, they're out having a, a good time. In <laughs> the Amish, wow. You know. That's cool. The Amish are coming out. Absolutely. What, do they yeah, bring out like a horse and buggy kind of deal? I mean, don't... Every week. <laughs> no. So we're protected. Well, they go a horse and buggy type deal? Or, I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to make any disparaging comments, but they're, they're not in favor of, of, of regular vehicles, right? What do they come out well, like? Horses? Well, I do believe that for some jobs, you do need trucks. Okay. okay. So I do believe that they do have horse and buggies where they're at in their locations in their communities. But when they need some true heavy work done fast, They've got their Silverados, their F-150s, their Dodge Rams. They've got them all. Well, good for them. You know, I'm glad to hear that they're coming out because what, what it tells me, Lamont, is that you're getting people from all sorts of walks of life. They're, they're from all over the map in terms of the people who are supporting your movement. Yeah, I've never seen anything like it. It's absolutely beautiful because this is about being a radical. You are thinking radical thoughts. And radical thoughts today are that all people are the same. All people come from the same need and want for freedom and rights in our country. And never have we ever seen such a pushback in such a short amount of time. So all these studies they're saying about these infection rates and people dying in the streets, we're not seeing this. All we're seeing are the highest number of suicides and addiction, mental health issues, businesses shutting down families being broken up than we've ever seen in history. So that's what I see. And I see us every week saying enough is enough. Freedom is essential. All right. Lamont Daigle, The Line Canada. So if people want to get involved, what's the best way to do that? I'll just reach out. They've been trying to shut us down on Facebook. They deleted our pages on there with no questions asked. So we're saying to people, go on thelinecanada.com and thelineinternational.com. You'll have all the information there you have and that you need subscribe to the newsletters. We'll let you know where all the protests are right across Canada, east to west coast. All right, Lamont Digg, thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. You guys are great. All right, Lamont Digg, The Line Canada. And we'll be back with uh, more on News Talk Saga 960 on this Friday edition of the show. 
after this. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960AM.ca. Listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program. If you'd like to call, here's the number 416 640 0200. That's 416 640 0200. The Mark Petroni Radio Program, heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. McRib back. Yeah, the McRib is coming back. I used to think that was like mystery meat. McRib? <laughs> Starting December the second. Okay, well, it's I don't know. To, I don't know if it's every a restaurant. This is the this is in the CNBC website here. Starting December the second, McDonald's McRib returning to menus nationwide for the first time since 2012. Has it been eight years since the McRib? <laughs> the limited time pork sandwich is brought back every year, but is notoriously hard to find. Uh, People just go nuts for this thing. McDonald's even released its own McRib locator app. (laughs) That's the new Tracer app, man. It's it's about the McRib. It has nothing to do with COVID money. The fast food giant brought the McRib to 10,000 of its 14,000 U.S. restaurants last year in its biggest launch since uh, 2012, and the item has been appearing on McDonald's menus in the U.S. since 1982, helping the chain attract customers to its restaurants during the holiday season. Wow. Anyway, market's down again. Uh, Dow is down 200 points as it heads for its worst week since March. Well, it's been a rough week. One of those days, it was down almost 1,000 points, uh, and then it bounces back a little, and then now it's down again. So, I don't know, Jocelyn Bamford emailed me a couple of days ago suggesting this was all part of the plan to try and get uh, Trump defeated, you know, tank the uh, tank the stock markets, create all sorts of uncertainty in the financial markets, because, of course, what has Trump been doing? He's been bragging about the economy. And then yesterday, of course, we saw that huge GDP number, 33.1%, a record number in terms of uh, economic growth in the United States. We're nowhere near that up here, not even close. All blackface knows how to do is to borrow money, spend it, and steal it, line his own pockets. Oil down, however, again. Yeah, all of a sudden, West Texas Intermediate down to like mid-30s. Wow, is oil taking a crap kick in this week. And so is gold, although it's up today. You can't keep that shiny yellow stuff down for long. Gold up 20 bucks. That's a little better than 1%. But uh, still shy of that $1,900 mark. Gold trading at $1,888. Silver also up uh, 1.5%. That's about $0.35. Cents. Uh, silver now trading at uh, $23.71. So that's kind of what's going on market-wise. We were really looking south of the border on the eve of that all-important election. I think a lot of the sell-off has to do with uncertainty around the election. 
A lot of people worried, uh, depending on what happens, there's going to be a, a major sell-off. I don't know if you remember back in 2016, it was a huge sell-off the night of the election. Mind you, markets were closed, but we were talking about overseas markets and, and in the pre-market, right? There's all that selling and, and buying in the pre-market, and, and uh, the, the stock futures were way down, way down. Um, when it was announced that uh, Trump won. And then it went on a massive rally. And uh, we saw a solid rally all throughout most of Trump's time in office. And then COVID hit and kind of threw uh, a monkey wrench into that. Yeah, the economy growing by in Canada by 0.7% in September. A record third quarter, yeah. That's considered huge in Canada, 0.7%. Oh, by the way, the TSX is down 47 point, or sorry, 40, 46 points. Um, yeah, so yeah, the big news, Trudeau, all he knows how to do, because it's all about state control over the economy. Trudeau considers adding new social programs to the fiscal plan. It's all these guys do. It's all about mounting debt, spending more, borrowing more. I tell you, they have weaponized the fiscal condition of this country. And they are wrecking it. They are undermining it. And that's how they're doing it. That's one of the ways they're doing it. I mentioned, I don't know, if we got a couple of minutes before, the, we got to go. You got to play the disclaimer. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, because they, this is where the company gets to say, look, whatever that Petroni guy is saying, that's him. That's that's up to him, okay? It's nothing to do with us. <laughs> it's just, crazy guy over there. Yeah. <laughs> But then they started airing it in front of the the other shows, so I don't I don't I don't feel too badly about that. As long as you do it, to every, just treat everybody the same, money. It's all I'm saying, right, buddy? Because I got to play some of this interview between Laura Ingram and this guy at the Trafalgar Group. Uh, I think yeah, I think we're going to do that when we come back. Yeah, so let's take a quick time out because uh, there's lots more to come on New Stock Saga 960. Miles Kristen is going to be joining us from Wisconsin. You know what? I got to straighten that guy out because Trump's going to win Wisconsin. Are you listening, Miles? He's going to win Wisconsin. He's going to win Michigan. Hell, he may even win Minnesota. Wouldn't that be something? Rub those Democrats' faces in it. How sweet. All right, back with more News Talk on Saga 960 after this. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Radio program right here in Saga 960. So very glad you could join us to wrap up your week. Texas early voting has just surpassed all votes cast in 2016. That's right. Old people are voting. <laughs> Hawaii breaks the 2008 record. Hey, don't forget that was the Obama election, right? And of course, Obama from Hawaii. He paused strategically. Rod Gilzaka joins us from Vancouver. Rod, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me again, Mark. 
Well, you know, you've been at the forefront of, of fighting for uh, firearms rights through your organization, the CCFR, for how, how many years now? How many? How long have you been doing this? Well, we just turned five years old um, a couple of weeks ago. So, well, happy birthday! Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you're in the mid, You're in the fight of your life. I mean, with, legally. Right. I mean, it just it was just interesting. I kind of thought of you when I read about Walmart pulling the plug on some arms sales, uh, you know, ammo sales south of the border going into Election Day saying, yeah, you know what? We're not going to we're not going to sell arms. People get nervous, I guess, uh, around times of political turmoil. And so it's not really a shocker that Walmart would do that. But up here, the government is uh, is going for your for guns. And I guess the fear is that depending on what happens south of the border, because of its buy. He has already said we're coming for the guns if we get in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, try it, Joe. <laughs> you know the, the the United States is not Canada and it's not uh, New Zealand. So um, it's, it, again, you know, you see in politics uh, constantly things things are very easy to say, right? Cost nothing. Talk is free. It's not even cheap. So. Yeah, I'd like to see that trip. So, right, but they have the Second Amendment. We have no such thing up here. And, in fact, anytime issues around firearms rights comes up, uh, there's always some liberal coming out and saying, well, you know, we don't have the same rules as they do south of the border. You know, you have no real rights up here. They're privileges. You only have guns because we say you're allowed to keep them for the time being. It's always, you know, you've got this ax over your head constantly from some of these radicals in the Liberal Party and the left in general. How is your legal fight with the government going right now? So uh, it's going very expensive uh, because this is probably the most aggressive lawsuit on behalf of gun owners in Canadian history. And we have a, um, a very big and very highly qualified team. So um, if maybe some of your listeners uh, haven't heard about it before, but we filed the charter challenge under Section 7 and Section 26. Um, and the next step that's happening right now is uh, we filed an injunction, which is a very expensive process. The injunction is to stop the effect of the ban um, while this thing makes its way through the courts. And uh, that will be heard on January the 18th. So that's uh, that's the next thing that's coming up. So you're seeking a kind of injunction, right? Right. So that means that, see, right now, the effect of the ban is I, I can't go to the range with my rifle. So I don't know exactly how that's supposed to stop the shootings in downtown Toronto, but whatever. It's none, none of this is based on anything reasonable. It's all absurd. It's all political. So we're saying, well, hey, you know what? While you guys are fooling around with our lives, why don't you just let us continue to go to the range or use our firearms the way that we have been safely for, for decades, 60 years probably in some, uh, in some instances, some specific firearms that were, that were banned. You know, just get out of our lives while we go through this whole thing, and we'll find out if you're right. So, All right, Rod Giltak is with the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights. Are you guys planning another rally? You had, uh, you had one a number of months back in which you put, what, 5,000 people on the streets in Ottawa? And, uh, of course, the media gave it as little attention as they possibly could. Uh, what sorts of things can you do to pressure the government? I mean, apart from, say, calling the MPs, which can be effective to a point? Well, right now, the, there's a lot of different priorities happening, right? So the, the country has bigger things going on, like uh, like an entire shutdown and disruption of private business. Uh, that's pretty impactful. Um, so the gun ban is simmering 
on the on the back burner right now as far as the government's concerned. Um, but no, we don't have plans for another march. We uh, <laughs> the march that we did was it was it took a lot of planning and we took some risk there. Uh, it turned out great. So we'll wait to see what happens with COVID shutdowns and and whatnot. We escaped any any fines or any um, backlash from the government, which is great. Uh, but we've got uh, we've got a couple of other things going on, and probably the most important uh, is this television show that we're doing right now called Gun Ban Canada Exposed. It's uh, it's like investigative journalism, and uh, and it's turning out really great. So you can find that on our YouTube channel. Uh, just search for CCFR channel, and you'll find Gun Ban Canada Exposed. To what degree is this? shaping up to be, and I'm not diminishing the number of Ontario people and east of here uh, who are gun owners and have been for for many, many years, but uh, to what degree is this shaping up to be one of those irritants in terms of national unity? Um, do you see this as something that could be played up by those pushing Wexit, for instance, and saying, look, those people on the other side of the country just don't get it. They're not prepared to do what we are in terms of pushing back against this dispute. Or is that kind of a red herring, do you think? Well, it's 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 a disaster as far as, um, you know, divisive politics are concerned. So, you know, you can just imagine you know, being a gun owner, if you're not, and it's like every every time a criminal shoots someone in downtown Toronto with a with an illegal handgun, no matter where it came from, whether it was stolen from a law-abiding gun owner, which is the minority of the time, uh, and the majority of the time they're smuggled in from the United States. Every time something bad happens, or or the Nova Scotia shooting slash arson attack, um, when that happens, the government tells lies about what actually happened. You know, they say it's a, it was the biggest mass shooting in Canadian history. It wasn't. Nine people died in fires. Uh, but that doesn't matter. The truth doesn't matter to them. And the government makes its way into your life and takes your things. So no matter how much you comply, no matter how much, you know, I, me as an instructor, uh, no matter how much I tell my students, uh, you know, your duty is to comply with the law and stay, stay within the law as a responsible government. No matter what we do, the, the government just won't leave us alone. And I think uh, I think the government has uh, intervened in people's lives a lot on a lot of different levels, and this is um, this is going to contribute to the division. And we've never been more divided as a as a country. It's it's terrible. You talk about this as a constitutional challenge. To what degree does this have an impact, for instance, in the area of, of property rights? I mean, at the core of it, this is about being able to say you own anything in this country, isn't it? Well, that's right. So, you know, our property rights in Canada are very weak. Uh, you know, there's a lot of rumblings about government, uh, about abolishing private property. Um, and organizations like the World Economic Forum that openly talk about some future where you don't actually own anything. We're, we're fighting that. We're fighting that all the way. Um, you know, our, the, the crux of our argument is, if a government is going to use force against you and take your property... It should, have to, it should have to have some obligation somewhere at some level to justify that. It can't be like, well, this is, I need to change a channel because I'm having a scandal right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take firearms from hundreds of thousands of Canadians. How about that? That'll, that'll change the channel for me politically. That, that shouldn't be an acceptable practice. And, you know, here's an, here's an interesting little anecdote, Mark. It, we, when we started this case, our legal team filed hundreds of ATIP requests, right? And it's like access to information requests. 
And, you know, typically these things have to be fulfilled in a very short timeline, 45 or 90 days, depending on what the ATIP is. The Department of Justice, one of the ATIPs we filed, it was, can you give us the information that you used, your justification, your studies or reports or what have you, stats, testimony, that you used to make the decision to ban guns on May 1st? That ATIP came back and they said, um, over the normal timeline that we're usually responsible responsible to provide this information, we're going to need another 2,920 days because the information, <laughs> we put it away, they had it four months ago at that time, right, to make that decision to ban guns, but now it's been put in such a deep basement or on such a high shelf, they're going to need another eight years to produce it. These are the games that the government plays with you. They take your life and they... They throw you around like a little puppet, and they think that that's somehow acceptable. And I think people are really having enough of it. Rod Giltaka joins us on Saga 960. Yeah, it's very troubling considering how quickly they rammed that uh, that law through, right? So they, they what it tells you is that they did it on the pretext of emotion in terms of taking what happened in Nova Scotia, exploiting that emotion, saying this will give us the pretext we need, whether it's logical or not, whether it warrants it in terms of being practical, doesn't matter. We just go by emotion. And so people are upset. They're angry angry about what happened in Nova Scotia, we'll use that to ramp through this bill and we'll justify it somewhere down the road when we get in trouble and get under pressure from the people at the CCFR. I mean, that to me is what it says. You know, they, they, they ram that through and then punted it down the road in terms of having to justify it later on. Well, that's correct. And if you, and if you think about the Nova Scotia uh, rampage itself, it wasn't just about guns, too, right? They wanted, they wanted to hide all the details about what actually happened there until there was massive pushback from, you know, from Nova Scotians that say, no, we want a public inquiry. They're like, oh, no, no, no. You just, you know, use your outrage. We're going to ban guns. We're going to do all these things that work for us politically that don't actually increase public safety. We're going to patronize all of you people. Use your loss as, as leverage against you. And you know what? There's, there's some inconvenient details here. Like the, you know, the the murderer's relationship uh, with the RCMP and all kinds of right. strange details, but we're going to hide it from you uh, because that works for us. And and I just, yeah, it is troubling. It's very creepy what's what's going on with that whole Nova Scotia investigation, what this guy was really all about, what he was doing, his ties with the RCMP, the fact that the RCMP themselves have been very coy and not forthcoming with information. And we all know how politically tied in with the liberals they are, with Brenda Lucky, of course, having ignored uh, blatant acts of criminal activity by the Liberal Party itself, sticking its head in the sand, and so try, running interference for the liberals, it seems rather than holding them to account, holding them to the same standards as it, was, as it would hold any of us. So it, the country is really under pressure in so many different ways. And to me, when I talk to you and when I look at what's happening with those in the firearms community, you guys are like the canary in the coal mine. You know, you're like, the as soon as you guys come under pressure, I know that the rest of society, whether it's, um, you know, censorship of free speech, whether it's attack on other forms of property, rights, all these other things, all these other areas and freedoms that we have known for decades are, go- are coming under pressure as soon as we can see that the firearms community and the ownership community of, of guns in this country comes under pressure. You, you guys really are the canary in the coal mine. 
Yeah, and we are. It's not comfortable. Uh, it's not inexpensive. It takes a tremendous amount of effort. And, um, you know, even even the microcosm of the firearms community itself, right, where you have some hunters that, you know, that applaud the government taking certain firearms away from certain gun owners because they don't specifically use those firearms. It's a microcosm of greater society. They don't, nobody cares about their rights or cares about what, what the government, uh, government behavior, what the government does until it directly affects them. So I think, I think Canadians need to lock arms with their fellow Canadians, stand up for all rights because all rights are being diminished daily um, by this government. It's, it's, you know, I don't want to use the term banana republic because I think it's a little bit hyperbolic, but how do you explain when, when, you know, political figures can get away with literally anything. Criminality, the, the, the federal police force stands by. It's no, no big deal to them. You know, look at, think of Mark Norman, what they did to Mark Norman. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they used the criminal justice system yep. to destroy him because he was going to blow the whistle on their corruption. And then they just ended up paying him off with, with taxpayer money to, to sign a non-disclosure agreement. Like, this is insane. That absolutely is. How can people support your organization? Well, they can become a member of the CCFR by going to firearmrights.ca. It can also donate directly to our legal trust fund. Um, and, um, and yeah, help us help us fight the government. Somebody's got to take these people to account, and we're doing everything we can to do it. That's right. And uh, you need help with the legal fees and the rest of it. It's, you know, paying lawyers isn't, uh, isn't cheap. Well, paying good ones isn't cheap. So this is this is the the most uh, competent team that's ever represented gun owners. Uh, probably the largest team. So we're we're doing everything that we can the best way that we possibly can. So your support is appreciated. Rod Geltaka, he is with the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights, and uh, doing a great job pushing back against some of these draconian measures by the federal government. All right, quick time out. Back with more because uh, Miles is going to be joining us at the bottom of the clock. We're going to play a little bit of that uh, interview that Laura Ingram did with the guy from Trafalgar Polls about why Trump is surging a lot more than what we have seen in some of the other polling. It's all coming your way after this. Stream us live at Saga960AM.ca. to the Mark Petroni radio program. If you'd like to call, here's the number, 416-640-0200. That's 416-640-0200. The Mark Petroni radio program, heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. And we are back with more News Talk. We had Lamont Daigle earlier talking about uh, the rally that's planned for this weekend, the Freedom Rally, uh, geared mainly at people who... are disappointed at uh, what's happened with Halloween this year. It's just disappointing for the kids. We we have a caller on the line. It is Minnie D. Minnie. Hello, Mark. How are you today? Excellent. Thank you. I know you've been uh, communicating with me online on Twitter, and uh, great to hear from you on the radio. Awesome. I know. I'm a bit nervous. I'm scared to drop an F-bomb, but I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> Please, no F-bombs. No, no. I don't no, want to no, get no. in any trouble yeah, with the yeah, bosses yeah. around here. Okay, so what's uh, what's going on? You, you've got a rally. Well, you want to talk about this rally as well. Well, 
I have a little prediction, Mark. Okay. Um, Lamont's saying that about four hundred or four thousand will show up between uh, what was it two and four p.m. Yeah. Well, I predict the crowds will be much bigger and for the entire night. Um, that's about two blocks, two three blocks south of Gay Village, where I grew up um, for over twenty five years. And usually they have a huge Halloween parade. Now, I'm thinking with the Pride Parade being canceled, and I assume that the Halloween parade will be canceled, that, that crowd will definitely shift down to uh, Dundas Square, and I think that the turnout's going to be amazing. All right, so is this going to be a combination Halloween freedom type of... Pr- like, what's going to be the thrust? What's going to be the message that you want to send to, say, uh, D- Doug Ford this weekend? Well... I'm a pro-choice masker, not a anti-masker. Um, I think most people just are against the mandate mandated masks. Um, but it's basically Yahoo Yahoo Nation's going to come out full force. Dougie needs to go. It's it's plain and simple. I think most most folks know that he has not done what he says he 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 wanted to do. A couple of days ago, he came out and. He has been mixed, I have to say. His messaging seems to be mixed, to say the least. You know, sometimes he seems to be very pro-business, and which is great, and then it kind of gives a lot of us in the freedom community hope, and then the next week he'll come back and say, no, we got to lock down for phase two of, of the lockdown and all this. And then it just, you know, it's like air coming out of a balloon. It's like, oh, please, you know, do we really want to go back down that road? But I'm sensing that a lot more people are just kind of throwing up their hands. Most recently, I, I've heard some more encouraging things come out of the Ford government, but unfortunately, because they've kind of flip-flopped all over the place, I think it's been really discouraging for people who would otherwise vote PC without even thinking twice. Oh, oh, definitely, definitely. Um, I think that's what's confusing everyone, is the flip-flopping around. One day it's one thing, the next day it's another. He he couldn't spit it out that he was uh, cancelling Halloween. It's like, you know, I'm not cancelling it, but just don't go door-to-door. Well, <laughs> That's what Halloween's all about, right? Do you have you know, kids? You have the kids showing off, uh, going door to door, your neighbors having fun, and uh, yeah, he might be pro business, but I'm I'm pretty sure he's pro you know big business like the Loblaws, the Shoppers Drug Marts, the LCBOs. Um, but when it comes to the middle middleman business, it's obvious he's trying to wipe them out. Wow, well, that's just scary. I mean, he is a businessman himself, was. Yeah, well, um, was is the key word. <laughs> so uh, where do you go? Where does your vote go for next election? Um, <laughs> I'm honestly, I'm looking towards the new blue party, the the Calido, um, Calido, go, I can't even pronounce their name. <laughs> um, I, I'm looking towards them, seeing what, what their platform is all about. Um, I, don't, I don't think uh, Ontario has a uh, conservative party anymore. And what about federally? Federally? Oof, don't get me started on that one. <laughs> I, I won't shut up about that. Um, I personally think it's... Uh, they're, they're, no, they're no longer uh, real conservatives. They're not. They're, they're pandering too much. Um, you know, there's barely any distinct, distinction between them and the liberals. I think it's pretty much at this point, it's, um, it's all the globalists against uh, everyone else. 
Yeah, it's a real shame when you start seeing conservatives kind of throwing up their hands and say, well, I guess Canadians are all lefties now, so we got to go for the same pile of votes that uh, that the liberals would normally go for, or maybe slightly more to the right of them, and so we've got to be more like them. You, we've got to be more like the people that we hate and that we oppose in order to win an election, and I think they're going to get a huge slap on the face when all these millions of Canadian conservatives either sit on their hands or start looking at other smaller parties and political movements to to throw their support. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Canadians are sick and tired of voting against against the party. I think we want to vote for a party for once. Hmm. Stand, stand, stand uh, strong and uh, vote, vote, you know, where your morals are, because you know what? Everything they say, the next day they just wipe it off. They're all becoming the same. And I, and I think uh, Canadians are getting sick and tired of it. And I think that is evidenced by these rallies that uh, we have been seeing in in Ontario. Oh, but you won't see it on MSM, right? You, you won't see any of these uh, these rallies, these uh, movements, these freedom movements. You know, my biggest advice to anyone is just cancel cable, gain a brain, or listen to Mr. Patron. <laughs> Thank you so much, <laughs> Minnie D. Much appreciated. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your rally. You. Thanks so much. All right. Minnie D. And please call back again, Minnie. All right. I want to hear a little bit uh, uh, this conversation between Laura Ingram on Fox News yesterday. She was talking to the guy from Trafalgar polling about how it is that Trafalgar's numbers are so much at odds with many of the other polls that have Biden up double double digits. You know, who's right here? Chief pollster for the Trafalgar group, the pollster that correctly predicted that Michigan and Wisconsin would go Trump in 2016. Robert, could this same thing happen again? All the same people are saying, no way. This is essentially a lock for Joe Biden. You know, it's so entertaining uh, the way they just go forward and, and, and just with such confidence say these things. And yet it's exactly the same. They haven't learned anything. They don't understand how average people think. And they certainly don't know how to poll average people. So, yes, I think it's on the way to happening again. Absolutely. And pollsters have been taking some shots at you on social media, I know, and Twitter, uh, because they think you're the outlier and you're just you're just a pro-Trump guy. And you're you know, you're you're saying all this nonsense. So now you're a target, I notice. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, uh, they're 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 out there. They're they're taking shots at me. They're calling me an outlier. Well, you know, I am an outlier, and I, that there's no, I have no problem with that because I don't want to be part of their herd. Their herd is wrong. It was wrong last time. It'll be wrong again, and um, I, I enjoy it. I, I'm sure there are people that were you know, making fun of those telegraph lines and defending the Pony Express too. <laughs> All right. Anyway, that's uh, the gentleman speaking with uh, Laura. Ingram on on Fox News. We've got a, a caller on the line. It is Frank. Frank, hey Mark. what's morning, going on? Excellent, thank you. So I'm sure you're uh, responding to Minnie D, right? That's <laughs> you know what? I, I don't disagree with her, and, and as, as a conservative, I understand. But when what bothers me is is when when conservatives say, because I was talking to a, a friend of mine yesterday, I'm putting my hands up and washing it because we can't do anything about it. And it's when you don't fight for what you know is right. You know, it, it just it, it just becomes disheartening when you look at media as one of the biggest bloody culprits of, of the of, of the left leaning crap that we see now. You know, I get it as a conservative. Forget it, because the media is in the back pocket of the, of the liberal government, provincially, federally. 
uh, even municipally. It just, uh, I get it, man. I get it. But if we don't keep fighting for what we know is right for this country and getting people like the prime minister out, you know, out of office because he shouldn't even be there and making even the provincial government think you're, you're, you're screwing over your base. See, okay, but somebody like Minnie no. D is saying, that's fine. I want to get the prime minister out of there, too. But I don't want to support somebody who's not really conservative either. You know, I, I why do I have to compromise? Sorry. Go ahead, please. No, it's okay. Uh, please, and you, again, you, all that does is split the bullets, and I get it. We don't, like I said this the other day, I spoke to you, we don't have the ability to vote for our leader. Unfortunately, we have to vote for a party. And the sad part is it has to be strategic. And I agree. I'd rather vote for a party than against one. Here's the problem, okay? And I, I agree strategically with what you're saying. And I have voted strategically in the past. The problem is that the party that wants your vote and yet is prepared to move left knows that you're going to vote strategically. And so it gives them a license to be even more liberal than you feel comfortable I, I, because they think you got nowhere else to go. And yeah, as long and as I they think that. you get... Then, okay. Sorry. No, it's okay. And when you I'm, look at the conservatives, the same thing. They're pandering to more to the left because the media is in the back pockets of the liberal. They got no other choice because they're going to get bad press regardless. So their position is not, we'll do what's right, even though we're conservative, we'll still fight it. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll give, we'll bend. Yeah, we'll allow for that just so we can get votes. It's like, buddy, you're selling your soul. You know? Well, what do you and think? Okay, fine. Let's talk provincially while I got you on the line. Okay, here's Ford. Let's face it, kind of all over the map here. Every other week, it's a slightly different message. You know, yeah, we got to protect our small businesses. I don't want to have to bring in another lockdown. Week later, guess what? We get a lockdown. Then it's a mixed message again. And so a lot of conservatives, like many, and she's not alone, are saying, Doug, we thought you were conservative. You're not. You're trying to kowtow to the media. In the meantime, as I've argued on this show, the media is trying is, is leading forward down the garden path thinking, yeah, we like what you're doing. And meantime, it's a trap because you know as well as I do that eventually the media is going to go after Ford, not for shutting down the economy, but for the pain caused by those lockdowns. That's where I think we're headed. I know, and I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. I got an email yesterday because I was a member of the Provincial Conservative Party. Oh, your membership is, is has expired. Good. I'm not giving you any more money. I'm not even going to vote for you the next election. So what does that tell you? If I'm not gonna, if I'm not gonna renew because you've lost your way, because like you said, now you're pandering to the media, and the media is gonna sit there and, and bite you on the ass when it comes, you know, three years from now, two years from now, when we have the election, and and the unfortunate thing is that the NDP or the Liberals are gonna be reelected, and that scares me even more than knowing that uh, that Doug Ford was just too stupid to to actually listen to his base. Frank, thank you for your call. I do appreciate that. Sounds to me like you're a little conflicted yourself. I've had you on the show before, and you've said, "Look, we've you know, we got to get the main priority is getting rid of Justin Trudeau here, and we got to you know, uh, you know, maybe a bitter pill, but you know, you got to side with the conservatives in order to do that." And so, uh, you know, I can I can hear the conflicted sentiment on the part of a lot of people who would normally want to vote conservative, and yet, unfortunately, are leaning for other options, looking for other looking for alternatives to the conservative party, and uh, sadly. I can see how that split is going to hurt the Tories, whether it's federally or provincially. Okay, my friends, quick time out. And then we get, uh, let's see, we got Rio who's going to 
be on the line, and we we'll always want to hear from from Rio. So he's up next, and Miles Kristen after that is going to be talking about the U.S. election and the situation in Wisconsin, Minnesota, and elsewhere. Okay, it's all coming your way after this. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960AM.ca. You were listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program. If you'd like to call, here's the number. 416-640-0200. That's 416-640-0200. The Mark Petroni Radio Program. Heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. Alberta is in talks with a private uh, Saudi Arabian company. This is a story in the Globe and Mail to open a $5 billion petrochemical facility in the province. That, according to the Associate Minister of Natural Gas, Premier Jason Kenney has long been critical of Saudi Arabia, repeatedly calling it an unfriendly dictatorship with a state-owned energy company that has no right to dump its oil in North America. Well, we have a, a wannabe dictator in Ottawa, so why not deal with the Saudis? We got a caller on the line. It is Rio. Hey, Mark. You got a good impassioned uh, callers today. Yes, uh, always good to hear that from from Minnie and Frank. What's on your mind, brother? Okay, so the conservatives aren't conservatives anymore. That's what the problem is. Like nobody's honest. So uh, Doug Ford's supposed to be conservative. He's closing businesses. Uh, you just take the gyms for example. The, the gyms are a fantastic place for a lot of people because they like to go work out, get the oxygen intake happening becoming healthier there hasn't been one case linked to a gym from what i heard right even in the states with a country 10 times the size of us right but you're okay with having the ttc open like that's a, that's a complete farce the ttc has people coming in and off of buses constantly it's not being wiped down constantly but gyms people take care of it uh, restaurants people take care of it yet they're closing them and it's funny that it's all the small businesses that that are getting hurt. Yeah, Even not the, the WalMarts of the world. Closed out guys who have little um, clothing shops and whatever else, right? But Walmart could still sell you some jeans, right? Let me ask Absolutely you a question. Ridiculous. No, we. It's, I want to ask you a quick question before we let you go because I got to get to Miles. Yep. The Tories think you've got nowhere else to go. The provincial conservatives, the the PCs under. Doug Ford think you've got nowhere else to go but to vote Tory, so they can do basically whatever they want, and you're still going to vote against the Liberals, meaning you're going to vote for them. The federal Tories, same deal. Their view is you got nowhere else to go, so we can do whatever the hell we want. We can be centrist. We can pretend to be whatever. You'll still support us because at the end of the day, you hate Justin Trudeau, and we're your ticket to getting rid of Trudeau. What's your response? Like I said before, I'd rather lose on principle, and I'm I'll vote for Maxime Bernier's party federally. Uh, I know even my brother says he's going to vote libertarian, especially I'm thinking in the provincial because I don't know anybody else who's conservative-leaning, right? I wouldn't mind an old-fashioned liberal in some ways. <laughs> the way liberals are today, Paul Martin looks like uh, godsend. Well, yeah, a traditional, the classical liberals of old, Laurier, yeah, still the greatest the prime minister we've ever had, a big liberty guy, right? Yeah, but, but uh, left, they're uh, long gone. Today, we got Stalinists uh, in there now. Like whether you're looking at Joe Biden, whether you look at uh, Trudeau, they're all in with corrupt businesses, 
right? And then, like, even what Frank was saying and other people, the media doesn't cover all the bad stuff They're that people like Trudeau does. Absolutely. Rio, I got to run. Thank you for your call, brother. Have a great weekend. All right. We got Miles Kristen on the line from just outside Madison. Hello, Miles. Hello, Mark. All right. I want to play you something from yesterday. This was on Fox. This was on Laura Ingram's uh, report with uh, the guy from uh, Trafalgar polling. Robert, you have exclusive new polling for us tonight. The main takeaways are that Trump is maintaining his lead over Biden in Florida, that Trump is just 2% off Biden in Nevada. And you say there's a surprising group propping up Trump. Who is that? Yeah, we, what we've, we're seeing with the uh, the Hispanics and the black vote and now the youth vote starting to move. The Hispanic numbers in both states is 41 uh, for Trump and the uh, African-American number in uh, Nevada, I believe, was 20 and 27 in Florida. And then the youth vote is starting to move. And what, what they're telling us is they're moving about lockdowns. That, you know, there is a lockdown candidate and there's a let's get back to business candidate. And it's not a matter of safety, we, there's this feeling that we can operate, we can wear the mask, we can wash our hands, but let's get back to it. And uh, young people, what they saw in that debate was there's a guy who wants to lock them down again. Right. And so to underscore that uh, is this idea that Lil Wayne now supporting Trump. So, Miles, what's going on in Wisconsin? Is, does that reflect uh, what uh, this individual with Trafalgar just said? Well, you know, Wisconsin is actually the third worst state in the country right now for the COVID cases. And so on one hand, you could say, you know, that's upsetting to a lot of people and that might change the way they vote. And then uh, you could also say with that level of fear out there about COVID, maybe some people aren't going to go out and vote. Maybe they didn't do an absentee ballot or early voting. And so maybe they're just not they don't might not feel safe going out and voting at all. All right. Well, what about Minnesota? I mean, uh, right right next door to you, right? Geographically speaking, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking. I, I really, really don't see Minnesota going for flipping. Trump. Um, you know, in 1984, when Mondale lost every state in the entire, uh, he was a Democratic candidate, and when he lost every state in the entire country except Minnesota. Was well, that was his home state. state. Blue. That was his home state, though, Miles. Yeah, so he held on to his home state, and that was it. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah I, t- you know, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that uh, that relate to that '84 campaign. As as right now, you have a uh, you know Republican president running for re-election. That time around, it was Ronald Reagan, and then Mondale was the uh, you know guy. He was the VP candidate of 1980, who uh, and then he was running with a uh, a woman named Geraldine Ferraro. Geraldine Ferraro. Yeah, they they went after her and, as being uh, mob. Connected, so the yeah, so the GOP destroyed her. Uh, you know, it was disgusting in a way. But you know, I'm 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 really glad that Reagan won that election and did so handily. But uh, here's Biden going to Minnesota today. So you know, I thought these guys were all about flipping Texas, and now he's spending the last couple of days, just a few days left before the election, and this guy's going to Minnesota to try and shore up support there. Hillary only won it by forty five thousand votes in twenty sixteen. 
So really, I mean, he's, you know, Trump almost won it, almost flipped it in 2016. And uh, guess what? A lot of people in Minnesota, especially when you look at the black vote now in, in Hispanics saying, you know what? We like the fact that Trump wants to reopen our economy. We're sick of these governors, these Democrat governors wanting to lock us up. What do you think? Well, I mean, gosh, that's the that's the question there is if Trump could if Biden could theoretically flip Texas or if Trump could maybe somehow flip California. I mean, California, for instance, was Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor there only 15 years ago. And, you know, California and Texas are the two biggest states. Wait a minute. Are you saying that are you saying that California is in play here? Because I have not heard that at all. (laughs) As far as I know, the thing is, I mean, the polls are so inaccurate that, and you think of how many people are leaving California right now and how bad it's gotten in California. I mean, we, we talk about these four or five states that, you know, could go either way that were unexpected in 2016 that, that Trump won. But, I mean, if, if Texas or California were to somehow flip from what they are, I mean, that throws the whole race off. And, well, you know, I'll trade Texas for California. I'll take the, the 55 on Tuesday because yeah. it might be like the year 2000 where it goes on for another month in the courts. Yeah, I think it's 55 electoral seats in California. So that's uh, that's the crown and that's the jewel in the crown for the for the uh, Democrats. If the Republicans got anywhere near flipping, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's a bridge too far. But I think Minnesota's in play. I think Nevada is in play. I think New Mexico over over fracking miles. I'm hearing that there's a lot of people worried about this oil ban proposed by the Biden camp. Yeah, he's flipped all over the place. One day he's saying he's going to ban fracking. The next day he's saying we're not going to ban fracking. I think you know people in New Mexico, certainly in Texas, are not prepared to gamble their jobs over bringing in a guy who's going to be manipulated by the far left wing of the Democrat Party into imposing this Green New Deal and absolutely gutting the energy uh, industry in the United States. I mean, how big are... Go ahead. What's so... What's so darn ironic about the the Green New Deal is every other uh, sentence in the Green New Deal uh, says union jobs this, union jobs that. Well, it turns out that the AFL-CIO and other big unions are very much in support of fracking and oil drilling and the Dakota Access Pipeline and so forth. So the entire Green New Deal just doesn't make any sense. Plus, AOC's Green New Deal is a ripoff of the Jill Stein Green New Deal, and it's just, I mean, it's just catchy slogans. It's, yeah, it's but she's not running this time. Crap. She's not running this time, but there is a libertarian candidate. Yo, is it Joe Jorgensen or Jorgensen, or I don't know how you pronounce his name? Joe, Joe Jorgensen is the libertarian Okay, you're a libertarian. And there's a guy from the Green Party named Howie, Howie Hawkins. Okay. Howie Hawkins is going to get maybe 1% or 2%. Uh, uh, Joe Jorgensen, I don't think, will get far beyond 3%. I think the Greens and Libertarians are going to do really, really bad in this election. And the question is, you know, those who voted for Gary Johnson and Jill Stein, literally 2012 and 2016, who are they going to vote for this year? And I think a lot more of them are going to vote for Biden from the Greens, and some of them from the Libertarians will vote for Trump. But then how many Trump voters from 2016 are going to vote for the Libertarian? That's, that, we're, those third-party voters that really, you know, you're talking about four or five million people. Okay, so what about your black friends? Are they talking about voting Trump, or are they going to stick with the Dems? 
Uh, I don't know. I can't think of any uh, of my black friends who are voting for Biden. But uh, I, I, you know, your black friends are not going to vote for Biden. Like Lil Wayne, Lil Wayne just came out. Did you hear? So, so Chelsea Handler has to is 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 ready to throw herself off off a building. You know, over the first it was Fifty Cent, now it's Lil Wayne. What's going on with these rappers? And I'm wondering if that is translating into support from, say, amongst uh, African Americans in Wisconsin. What are you hearing? Well, I mean, I think that when the major rappers, uh, you know, want to vote conservative, it's probably because they're sick of getting taxed and, you know, seeing their income go away like that, and especially since they live Yeah, in and what is it with these like, racist white liberal women trying to put the black man in his place with Chelsea Handler, you know, uh, going after 50 Cent? 50 Cent came out and said, well, I'm tired of these left-wing uh, advocates pushing for higher taxes. I'm 50 Cent. I don't want to be 20 Cent. Ch- Chelsea Handler comes out saying, hey, don't forget, you're black. Well, what what kind of a racist statement is that? Saying, you know, well, you're black, so that means you have to vote Democrat. Well, no, you can't tell me how to vote, and don't tell me that I have to support one party or another based on my skin color. That is absolutely well, racist. I, you know, you got to listen to Bill Burr. I mean, just Bill Burr in general, but Bill, Bill Burr's uh, monologue uh, a couple weeks back from SNL when he when he said how. Uh, White women have hijacked the woke movement and made it their own thing. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had more white women refer to me as a straight white guy on camera over the last couple of years than anybody else. And it's like, you know, policies matter more than anything. Like, judge me for my policies that I believe in or, you know, things like that. Don't just look at me and make this, you know, Yeah, but they think it's an insult, though, Miles. I look like this, so therefore I'm that. Yeah, they think that that's an insult. They think calling you a straight white guy is an insult. That that is an attack against you. It's not like, well, first of all, who gives a rat's ass what my sexual orientation is or what my skin color is? You know, what did Martin Luther King say? Martin Luther King says, you know, judge me on the strength of my character, the quality of my character, not the color of my skin. Fast forward to 2020, and you got these white liberals, many of them women, saying, no, I'm going to judge you on the fact that you're a heterosexual male who happens to be white. I mean, what the hell happened to Martin Luther King's message? It's it's the complete, I, I agree 100% that it's the complete opposite. I mean, we should assess what people uh, believe in and what they stand for and listen to people. Don't just make these preconceived notions, well, you look like this, so therefore you must be that. I mean, I was literally telling my wife yesterday, it's like any time I were to go to Madison and show up to one of those socialist, whatever sort of protests and just be there filming, just simply filming, you know, people would give me these dirty looks like, oh, there's that libertarian guy, there's that dirty capitalist, and it's like, you don't know anything about me, or, you know, don't don't make these preconceived notions. All right, how are you going to vote? Are you going to you, you tell our listeners today? Are you going to keep it to yourself, or have you already voted? <laughs> I, I voted yesterday, and yeah. uh, <laughs> I wanted to vomit immediately after. Uh, oh, God, I've been, I've been afraid to tell you, because uh, yeah, and I hope you don't hate me forever. Uh, I I did. I, I you voted, voted for Biden. For, I voted for Biden out of this simple simple fear about uh, uh, COVID. When it comes to foreign policy, when it comes to everything else, I would probably agree with Trump more on most issues 
I mean, he's better on foreign policy. He's less aggressive on uh, military interventions. I mean, there's plenty of issues I disagree with Trump on, and I would have never voted for Biden, ever, if it wasn't for the fact that this might mean more testing and more solutions as far as the COVID crisis. And I, I absolutely You got suckered, my friends. I'm sorry Biden to say that. <laughs> you got suckered. But uh, listen, thank you for coming on the show. And listen, can you come back next week? I, yes, you're not going to ban me for for Biden. No, of course, I, of course not. Well. You know what? I need your perspective. You, I need your perspective. You and, I have, <laughs> you and I can can have good conversations, and that's what this country and well, this planet needs more. You know. Absolutely. Well, if I'm not an American, if I was, I would certainly vote for Trump. But uh, alas, all we can do is cheer for uh, for Trump on this side of the border. I dare say most Canadians are probably with you, saying, "Yeah, good for you." You know, you did the right thing, Miles. Uh, from my vantage point, uh, not a good idea. We need somebody who's going to fight for freedom, not somebody who's uh, in bed with the Chinese and who's going to sell us out. But thank you once again for coming on the show, Miles. Thank you. All right, Bye. quick timeout. Back with our final scintillating segment of the week after this. <laughs> Stream us live at Saga960AM.ca You're listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program. If you'd like to call, here's the number. 416-640-0200. That's 416-640-0200. The Mark Petroni Radio Program. Heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. Down uh, 400. Stock's getting hammered again. uh, Down 422 points. That's one and a half percent on the Dow. Was that money? We got a caller on the line. I'm going to get get to uh, that caller in a second. Uh, tech stocks getting hammered today, down over 300 points on the Nasdaq. That's 27 uh, percent. So all those tech stocks, Apple down over five percent, Tesla down almost seven percent, Amazon down over four percent, Twitter down almost 20. Wow. Are you kidding me? Twitter getting obliterated here, down almost 20%. So, oh, by the way, Microsoft also down comparatively less than that, though. It's uh, just down a little over 2%, but still. Anyway, we got a caller on the line. Hello. Hey, Mark. How are you today? Excellent. Who's this, please? It's Marco. From Marco. Hey, Marco. What's going on? Listen, I wanted to get in a couple of points before your show uh, went off the air. Regarding, uh, I'll touch base on your last uh, guest, Miles. There, none of his none of his African American friends voted for Trump, but he voted for Trump. Very. Uh, well, very he says weird, Biden. Very, no, no, uh, I think he meant. I, meant, I, I think he meant to I, say Biden. I think he meant to say Biden. He voted for yeah. Biden, but you're saying that none of his African American friends are going to vote for Biden. Is that? Do I read you correctly? Well, that's what he said, right? Well, he you said that. So none of your African American friends, are, because I, I don't know any of my Africans that voted for Biden. So that's uh, that's unusual. But mind you, I listen to him on your show all the time. He's always careful on his words, very much like a liberal. So I wasn't overly shocked. The biggest thing was 
in 2016, Hillary was getting far more people around, getting rallies, Biden in, and Kamala in. Well, you're uh, you're cutting in and out of here, Marco. Maybe call again uh, or try to. Did we lose Marco? Are you still there, Marco? Look, I take his point, though. There he is. You're back. All right. So let's get back. Okay. So Miles voted for Biden, but none of his African-American friends voted for Biden. And now you're saying that these rallies in the United States, where even Hillary was doing better, attracting more people. I was laughing the other day because there was a rally in Ohio where the libertarian candidate at a Waffle House had a bigger uh, crowd than, uh, than Biden did. Exactly. You remember, Mark. Trump had 4% chance of winning the last election. CNN had it up 4%, 96 for Hillary, and he blew her out. And this time he's getting more people at us. He's got more support. He's got more convergence coming over to him. I just, I don't think, I think this is just mass media. We have that same problem here in Canada. Media has put this uh, narrative that, this is close, just like Hillary. Biden's going to win. Vote for Biden. Vote for Biden. And then when it doesn't happen, they go crazy and they start figuring out what illegal means they're going to change the previously that one Democratic election. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to get ugly. I mean, it's for. what we need. I think that's- uh, no, I, I agree, Mark. What's, what needs to happen on Tuesday is not a close victory for Trump. We need a blowout. We need Trump you know, to win I, like three hundred and forty. I think it's a red wave. As I said, I have family in Astoria, New York, and friends in Cleveland. So I I talk to them regularly, and I say, what's going down? And for them, it's not close. So I don't get it. Like, I'd love to know who's this. I know California's going to vote for Biden, but that's always the bloody case. We're not going to worry about that, but everything else should go the way. And very quickly, I wanted to touch on our conservative party here, real quickly. Uh, I, I know that Doug Ford has let us down in, a few, in more than a few instances, especially recently. But I think we lose the big picture of just how awful a win McGinty province was run. I know he's disappointed me. I've been frustrated. I've sent messages to his office, you know, to, you know, redirect himself back to his conservative ways because he, he's moved off. If we start dividing up into a million little parties, and I know Max doesn't like it. Max should have been the leader of the Conservative Party. If we had a proper electoral system in the Conservative Party, Max would have been our Conservative leader in the last election and probably beat Trudeau. But because we have all this nonsense in the second and third round and all these delegates, it's all corrupt anyways, then we always end up with somebody who didn't, in the first round, get the most votes, which doesn't make a lick of sense. Yeah, I mean, here's... Everything you say makes sense, Marco, but here's what I want to leave you with and leave our audiences with. Any party that thinks they've got your, uh, that, that takes you for granted, thinks that they can do whatever they want and you're always going to vote for them because you hate the other guy, you're never going to get what you want out of them. They're always going to abuse you. They're always going to take you for granted. And that's a big problem, my friends. That's a big problem. You cannot have a party taking you for granted. As long as they think they got your, your vote in their pocket... 
they'll abuse you any which way they want. Look at how the Democrat Party has abused black people, thinking that all these people are always going to vote for them. Well, that's coming back to bite them in the ass, and conservatives better watch it because their base is going to leave them behind if they don't do what people expect them to do and be conservative. All right, my friends, it's been a fantastic week. Thank you so much on behalf of the entire team here, Money on the Controls. Be be safe this weekend. Let's do it all again Monday, shall we? Bye-bye for now. Missed part of the show or the whole show? Go to saga960am.ca to find the podcast.